Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. I am going to be touching parenthood. Praise the Lord. Why is this important? One, that some of you are parents. Some of you are going to become parents. Some of you are grandparents. Some of you are going to become grandparents. Are you following? Some of you are uncles and aunties. And so whatever we are sharing by some way or form is instructing you to do your part in the lives of the people God has given you while we still can. And the agents of the Spirit to help our children has never been as demanding as it is in our generation and in our time. Recently, we watched some of us, parents, Christians, believers, we watched in horror of a secular artist in our nation who was invited to some secondary schools to perform her arts, and then while she was performing these arts, because many were in their own nature, very suggestive, explicitly, quote and unquote, they were very perverse in nature, they were disturbing. This artist performed on the stages of his secondary students like they would perform in a bar, in a club, or in a concert of adults. And in this, she was dancing, some dirty dancers with some of the dancers on the stage, and she opened her skirt a bit to show the secondary students. It was so disturbing. Praise the Lord. And so, this artist, I think recently was condemned. And then she answered and said, Parents, I am not responsible for your children. You do your part. Why do they come? And people were like, Oh, how insensitive could this artist be? And I was 100% agreeable with her. You know why? Because she's operating by some spirit. And that's exactly what hell would say. It's not our fault. You are responsible for your children, not me, she said. But of course, for those of us who understand how the world works, it's not in only the responsibility of government to come through to say, oh, you know, we shouldn't take such secular arts to secondary schools. Because some of us, the fundamental question is, how did the headmasters, the principals, the teachers of these schools bring such people into the school. You see what I'm saying? Because they are the primary guardians of our children. What is in the head of such individuals when they open such a perverse world to other people's children early, except they themselves carry that perversion in part? Are you following what I'm saying? So, oh, yeah, yeah, government should do its part. I disagree. Government should come in secondary if they have to, but only to tame the perverse and crazy minds that our children are sitting under as teachers. You see what I'm saying? But for me, it opens a bigger conversation that we must have now, however hard it is, because in my 20 years of active ministry now, because I began early, I don't think that 20 years is not enough to teach somebody something. I've perhaps been longer in the gospel than many of you listening to me right now. And I can tell you the fact the number one, many parents right now listening to me think they know their children 
but they don't. They don't. Because those children come to us for counseling. And we talk to your children, even in matters that you might never be able to talk to them. And let me tell you the fact. Like in your day, you were crazier than your parents thought. Even so, it is true that some of you parents, your children are crazier than you think. But they learn the art of playing alone. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. They know, these kids are smart. They're actually smarter than previous generations. You understand what I'm saying? Now, me being pastor, I have heard a lot. And I can't sit down with a parent and tell them, your child told me this, because that's confidential. If a child comes with something, I keep it. So they can trust me next time to tell me. And I honor my word. I cannot get a parent and tell them what their child told me. But this is also the truth. That our children are crazier than many of us think. They know more than many of us assume. And sometimes I find these parents who say, Oh God, I thank God for my children. Sometimes I look at other parents' children. And I say, God, thank you for my own. And they even cry a bit. Some are right. Some are actually true. Whatever they're saying, I can affirm. But there are some who speak and I'm like, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You understand? Because sometimes I'm appalled at how much they don't know concerning these children. 78 or so percent, they say, of the population in this nation is below the age 35. To the most part, the number of people that we pastor. How much do you think we pastors know? I'll give you a simple example. I cannot tell you how many children I, Apostle Grace, have sat with and they've told me that I was given 30% in my exams and yet I know I excelled. But the lecturer said that they can turn that 30 to 80 by simply writing an opposite three if I can sleep with them. But I've also, with these very years, had kids tell me that I slept with a lecturer for two semesters and that's how I got this number of marks. Personally, I've had them with my ears. I've had experiences of talking to children who chose the godly way and refused to give their bodies and they fail their exams and they go back home and their parents start hanging them for having not performed and they cannot tell them that the truth was the lecturer told me either I give him my body or he gives me his 30 because they don't know how to construct some sentences with their parents. I have tried to engage some, but some even if you try to go through the law, you can't because these men are smart. I have sat down university students who are 18 years old, 19 years old, 20 years old with HIV. And recently I was dealing with boys and they were initiated into homosexuality in university. Okay. And I take them for checkup and they're HIV positive. And I don't even know how we are going to construct that conversation with their parents. I have seen it with my eyes. They were initiated in high school. I have seen it with my eyes. They were initiated. I'm talking about initiation. I'm talking about people who were paid to go into high school to promote certain things in this nation. I have seen it with my eyes. I've spoken to these children firsthand. So I know what I'm telling you. But there are many parents, if they got to really know the world their children are in, many of them, I don't know how or where they would begin from. Do you understand what I'm saying? I know of a school, and I was dealing with a child recently. This child was telling me that at the end of term, all their classmates agree immediately after end of term and leave the school and start to go into different homes with boys just for the thrill of sleeping together. They rotate in different homes. You get, it's happening 2022. 
You get? I told people recently, as they brought me some kids, about 14 of them, between the age of 13 and 14, and they were all addicted to cocaine. And they learned this in the very schools that you take your children. I was dealing with a child who had a spirit of madness and they had taken her to mental hospital, the parents. And the child was diagnosed with bipolar. Oh, she's seeing spirits. Things are talking. They are chasing. And then I sit down with this child and uh, I get a word of knowledge. And the Lord reveals to me that somebody in the school of this child wooed her into a relationship, slept with her, and initiated her into a dark world of witchcraft. This kid in the school was a satanic agent. And when I gave her a certain date and month and asked her, in that month you met somebody and had sex with them, and then she starts spilling all of these things. And when I start rebuking the devil, the demons manifested on this girl. The demons manifested on this girl. So somebody's child was initiated by a child who left another home, deep-seated witchcraft, came through that child. They were sent to recruit Ali. One time I'd gone to minister, and I'm with a certain man of God was seated there. And I tell this man of God, and I said, I don't know why I'm smelling the spirits, plural, of abortion in this room. So the man said, what do you mean? I'm smelling spirits of abortion in this room. There are many ladies here and they've all aborted. I smell it. Something is not right. So I said, God, take me to the bottom of this and help me understand what is happening. And when I stood on the pulpit, one of the girls was hit heavily by the power of God. For a long time stayed slain under the power of the Lord. Then the power of God moved in that room so mightily. And as I'd finished service, almost getting off the pulpit, a young lady walks to me and says, I need to confess my sins. And the Spirit of the Lord told me, give her your mic. So I gave her the microphone. And she said, I've come to repent because since I was in my senior too, I joined satanic worship, she said. And I have been the devil's agent for these many years. I have done this, I have done that, I've caused accidents. She started confessing so much. And the kids in the room all were scared like this. And she said, since my senior too, I was in scripture union, but on a what? On a mission. And when I came here, I entered your fellowships. I've been in scripture union. You all have been knowing me. Then she points at one girl and said, my biggest problem was that lady who was a prayer secretary, because the prayer secretary in the fellowship had picked it that this girl was of darkness. And so they started to fight. And she said, and if you've noticed, I've been giving you headaches every week on Tuesday all through. Then she started pointing, you, 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 you. She pointed on six girls in that room and said, you've all aborted this last time. I'm behind it. Everybody froze. Everybody froze. And these six girls were all seated behind me. And as she continued to speak other things, I had to silence her because of the nature of the words that were being spoken. And I went back and thought to myself, what is happening in this generation? You parents will agree with me that in this season, or these years, we are seeing more kids under bipolar, schizophrenia, you know, split personality disorder. Children are dealing with things that we have not... Those of us who were born in the 80s or 70s or 60s or 50s, it was a rare thing. On a village, you probably knew one child. But right now, kids are in mental hospital at a rate that many of us cannot answer why. And we have many things to blame it to because science has its explanation. But I've prayed with some of them. I was dealing with a nine-year-old. Sometimes the mother brought the kid and the boy had started to hear voices, seeing people. You understand? Can't sleep. And I asked this boy, have you watched the movie so-and-so? And the boy says, yeah, I watch it, da, da 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 And then I started praying for the kid. And in a few months, the same woman came back and told me, my child's mind was restored from the day you prayed. Yeah. Another one. Got demonic activity through a video game. And through as I was praying for the child, a word of knowledge came through. And I asked the kid what games and da-da-da-da-da. 
and for the first time I actually discovered the people are actually doing sorcery through some video games. The story once in Mokono, a spring and a sudden manifestation happens on a child, but I'd never seen that kind of manifestation on a child. And so I was curious, I asked the demon, I rarely do that, but this caught me. It was so amazing in how it manifested. I'd never seen that kind of spirits. I asked it, where are you from? And the spirit said, I came through a Nigerian movie and it mentioned details. And then it started manifesting and manifesting and manifesting and manifesting. Ho, ho, ho. Our kids are possessed with things we don't know. You just see them rebellious. Just see your boy won't listen. Your daughter can't listen. Even if you do what, they can't listen. They have this hatred for God. You don't even know why they hate God. But every day your children are sleeping from your hands and you don't know what to do anymore. I have parents I know whose children are 10 but they no longer have control over their 10-year-olds. The children are 12, but they no longer have control over their 12-year-olds. Their children are 15. But those children even determine what time they enter home. I'm telling you, and some of you are here and you know, 16-year-olds, 18-year-olds, these kids, they can't force them, they can't cause them, they can't lead them, they can't advise them. They can't lure them into doing good. Nothing totally. If he's made up to do it, he does it. If he doesn't want, there's nothing in the world you can do. You hear a kid at 14 telling you, I don't want to go back to school. 14 years. And I tell you, you can't force them. Why? Because that's where the world is. That's where it goes. And Africa was a bit preserved. Unlike places like Europe and America, you go and study the language and mind behind how Europe is defining raising children. It's all behind one demonic spirit that operated on a lady a couple of years ago called Alice Bailey. And these are the very laws that are governing how to raise children even in Europe. And I can tell you if you read about them, you realize in Europe, parents don't even own their children. They have no right over them. A child at the age of six can go to a teacher and tell them that my father forced me to go to church when I didn't want to go. And you'd be in trouble, great trouble. To a place that if they fight with you often, they can even take that child away and put them in a, any other setting that is not their home because it's not healthy enough because you have a problem with your children not wanting to go to church. That's happening in Europe already. And it's creeping in unawares in very healthy propagandas. Some organizations come with the language of children's rights. And notwithstanding, some of them are well-meaning, but some of them in there have a very dangerously insidious spirit seeking to take the responsibility of parents of their children so their children are let loot into the world to do whatever they want. And you believe that in some parts these first world nations, children at 13 or 14 can make a choice of sex change. But a child at 13 can say, I don't feel comfortable in a male body. And the government funds or the parents have to support them to become women if they don't feel like they're men. At 13. At 13. At 13. Can a 13-year-old understand that? Oh, yes, they do. That's what their feelings are. Why? Because we're dealing with a world that is fallen. We're dealing with a world that is fallen. And that's the grave challenge that we face every day. That it is harder to raise children in this generation than the generations before. And we must admit that the challenges that they are carrying are not the challenges that their parents carried. These kids have conversations on sex and they access pornography very early. I'm a pastor, I know what I'm telling you. You parents don't know. Trust me. You don't. We know because we talk to these kids. Even they do not know what they're dealing with. You see, I've counseled eight-year-olds who don't know anymore whether they are boys or girls. I have spoken to your children. I know what I'm saying. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, we are not going to fight like the world does. We're going to fight according to scripture. This is why we are deliberate. I am fighting with you for our children because nobody's going to do that except us. Are you following what I'm saying?
And I'll begin with a conversation with Moses, of Moses, to the children of Israel, when God had delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh, hundreds of years under bondage. Many of them come out without the knowledge of being a people. They don't understand the power of sovereignty. And God needs to construct them into a nation. And so he starts to send them certain laws that were important to channel them to the direction of becoming a nation, or at least the nation that God beheld, the city whose builder and architect was God. The fundamental laws that Moses is given and he gives the children of God, if you begin from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5, he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your mind and heart and with your entire being, with all your might. And these words which I'm commanding you this day shall be, I'm reading the Amplified Version, first in your own minds and then in your own hearts. When they're in your mind and in your heart, then you shall whet and sharpen them also as to make them penetrate and teach and impress them diligently upon the minds and hearts of your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign upon your hand and they shall be your frontlets, forehead bands between your eyes and you shall write them upon the doorposts of your houses and on your gates too, if you have to. And if it is important for Israel to do this to become the nation God deems it to be, then don't you think it should be the same instruction to the church? Fundamentally, God is giving us an antidote to taming our children and aligning their destiny for his purpose. And he said there is nothing as important as firstly allowing these words to enter your heart, your spirit. They enter your mind and consume you into your heart to understand. And then you quit and sharpen them as to make them penetrate and teach and impress them diligently upon the minds and hearts of your children. And he says, talk to these children concerning these words in your own houses, in your breakfast tables, in your lunch tables, in your dinner tables, when you're playing, when you take them out for a walk, when you take them out to games. By wisdom, you find ways of imprinting these words on their hearts, on their spirits. Now, the word therefore, teach them diligently, is the Hebrew word which means shanan, which also means to repeat, to reiterate, to continuously give in because you're as one also sharpening these kids to become weapons tomorrow to face whatever would come their way. Somebody shout hallelujah. Continuously repeat as they're piercing them in your sharpening so they are being sharpened and shall become a piercing force and an offensive weapon to the work of the devil. Are you following what I'm saying? Because this is a repetition, it's a reiteration, it's going to be friction, it's going to be grinding, it's inevitable. In much patience, in much prudence, in much wisdom, in much judgment, with grace, but expect the friction. Why? Because you are dealing with a spiritual work. It's not going to be easy. And God has told you so. But it is worth it. Because I know parents right now who cannot sleep. Because anytime they would hear their child in a car accident at 3 a.m., their boy overdosed with drugs in a bathroom, anything can be hard right now. Because they did not invest in their children when they were growing up or invest in them as they ought to have invested in them. And now God shows us the way. It's a repetitive thing. It's not enough to tell your child, go to church. Pastor will teach you. Well, some make it through. But for some, it's not enough. Because God has told you as a parent, you must take that responsibility and be a priest in your own house, whether you're a single mother, single father, or you're married in church. That responsibility begins in the household to be able to impress the Word of God 
diligently on your children. Somebody shout hallelujah. And there are ways you can do it. Number one, first thing is, in your household, the altar must be consecrated. Because altars speak a lot of things when it comes to the destinies of your children. Some of you are Christian parents who don't pray with your children. You tell them, say your prayers. I'll say mine too. You're only reconciled on the Sunday service. No. If possible, every night you must have a time where you will get with your children and pray together. And in that place of prayer, it's important to even allow them rotate. Today you're praying, tomorrow you're praying, the other day you're praying. It's very important for your children. It's very, very important for your children. They must learn early. You see? They must learn early to pray. They must see you pray. <laughs> because you can only give what first came into you. So some of you, your children struggle to pray because you have a phony life of prayer. What is a phony life of prayer? You pray most at church. When you're alone and at home, they can see you. You're not a praying mother. You're not a praying father. And you think that you're going to plant in them what you have not demonstrated before them. It's not possible. You're going to go home and put on movies every day and you don't have your moment of worship and prayer and they cannot see that. How do you expect them to learn that? It's not possible. Children imitate in their first stages before they find themselves. But it's important that by the time your child finds themselves, they find themselves in the imitations of God that you have handed over to them by being that example. It's almost as though we cannot run away from it. You never teach your children to pray. No. You pray and they learn. You pray and they just learn. Are you following what I'm saying? The other way is to make sure that it's deliberate for your children to memorize scripture. To memorize scripture. Whether you're going to do it in turns, who reads their scripture today, whether you're going to reward them for memorizing scripture, whichever way the judgments of God, His wisdom, His love, grace give you. Within the friction, love can be felt still and you find your way to cut through that young heart and make sure that you leave scripture there. Whether you tell them, okay, who has memorized this, it doesn't matter how long, but they need to get into the habit of understanding scripture. But a time comes where something happens and you're able to ask your child, what does the scripture say? And they'll tell you that Deuteronomy chapter this and that, say this and that and that and that. And then you're able to tell them on that. Discipline through scripture. Discipline through scripture. Johnny, Johnny, yes, Papa. Eating sugar, no, Papa. Telling lies, no, Papa. Open your mouth, and then you find a what? A cube of sugar in the boy's mouth. And some of you, you just randomly come out and say, didn't I tell you not to deceive me? Eh? Wah, wah. No. Take opportunity in what they have done and get a scripture for it first because God's word is sovereign. It's above your instruction. God has promised power in his word. It does not go back void. It must achieve that which he sends it out to achieve and it shall prosper in the thing wherein he has sent it. Johnny, sit down. Now, I want to open the Bible for you. I asked you whether you had sugar in your mouth and you told me, you did not have sugar. What does Leviticus 19.11 say, Johnny? Let's read it together. You shall not steal, neither deal falsely, neither lie to one another. What has it said? Neither lie to one another. What have you done? What have you done? Johnny, what have you done? I told a lie. Is it godly? No. Okay, you should never do it again. Next time, Johnny lies to you that he didn't break the cup and yet he broke it. Leviticus 19.11. Johnny, let's read it again. 
Third time, Leviticus 9.11. And because you've done it for the third time, the Bible also says, you open, spare the rod and spoil the child. See, Johnny, he that spareth his rod hateth his son. If I don't hit you up right now, it won't mean that I hate you. Johnny, do I love you? So, you're going to lie down and I'm going to show you some love. <laughs> Mommy, Mommy, I'm sorry. I, I am sorry. No, Johnny. I'm a Christian mother. The Bible says you shall forgive 70 times, seven times. Johnny, I have forgiven you. What I'm doing is loving you. This, this, this thing, you might feel some hate here, but it's an expression of love. And after this, I'll give you a big hug and a kiss on your forehead. Give me a hug. No, if you refuse, I'll add you. I'll love you until you love me back. Give me a kiss. That's preaching the gospel. And sometimes the road there need to be a whip. You can also use some wisdom and find another way without necessarily whipping. But if you have to, as a parent, you can know. Leave alone some of you who were raised in very warped worlds. When your father was disciplining you, it was as if you were watching an MMA match, eh? like wrestling. They get you, throw you on the ground, bah, tie you upside down, beat you, kick you. You understand? Some of us, we had African parents. You ask, so you feel you are old? Then you start asking yourself, where am I? Where am I? No, 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 no. I'm not talking about that kind. Sometimes you don't even need to beat a child to discipline them. Wisdom can come to you to know how to discipline them without. But a time might come where God will require you himself to get that rod and heat up Johnny's butt. And you'll save your child's life. Somebody shout hallelujah. He says, if you beat him, he shall not die. But if you beat him to kill him, then Proverbs 23.13 is not yours because there are parts that don't kill. You understand what I'm saying? Now they're learning the word. Every portion of scripture. Some of you first slap and then ask the child. Bah! The child is like, what did I tell you last time? Now they need to figure out what, what as they're trying to connect the, the wires, again, you disconnect them. I said, what did I tell you? The third time, once you hit them, this wire, instead of connecting back to its original one, it looks for another wire. And then connects to some random wire that it was not supposed to connect to. Then your child says some random thing. And then they speak the opposite of what you told them. Why? Because the wires have what? They've switched. And some of you parents are like that. I'm helping somebody. Somebody shout hallelujah. We expect the friction, but it must come in wisdom. Discipline them if you have to. It's through the word. Another way, always find instances in the world, in the world, to teach them against. They're watching a cartoon. These days I've seen cartoons that kiss. Yeah, some of you probably haven't seen them, but I've seen them. We've seen cartoons, a little boy cartoon with two daddies. 
So, you tell them, you see, scripturally, this kissing happens in marriage because it's sacred. You teach about marriage with the cartoon they watched. You don't just say, switch it off. You know, some of us, <laughs> some of us who are a bit Old Testament. <laughs> Remember those random days where you're watching TV with your dad and you're watching a movie? And then something funny comes up and tells you, go and get me my phone. You say, but that your phone is there. Okay, the charger. Even the charger is there. Okay, go and get me water. But you've just had tea. Hey! For us, our line in my day was, hey, go and sleep. <laughs> in that random day where even the sleep, would, because it was too early, your father found himself saying, hey, why don't you go to bed? But we've not had dinner. It's 7 p.m. Are there news? What can we... Cognitive dissonance. Huh? You understand? Now imagine the world where kids are born with internet in the house and they have passwords and they can access these videos that you don't even assume that they access. Are you following what I'm saying? Use some of those circumstances. See how that person is dressed. Biblically, my daughter never dressed this way. Why? The Bible speaks of modest dressing. That's not a modest dress. That's not the way of God. Why? You're trying to tell your children that even though we are in the world, we are not of the world. That's one of the deepest lessons that a child can learn. To separate your child from the world early. And I tell people the other way. Learn to attach divine oracle to your surname. Do you understand that? That it's not enough to say, God says we should not steal. If I'm a Lubega, I should be able to tell my child, we the Lubegas are not thieves. You see that? Why? Because you're not just commanding this one destiny, but you're commanding everything that should come out of that child. We the do not tell lies. We don't fight. It's a fundamental lesson. One time somebody did something to me, and my dad called me and said, go and do this instead. But he mentioned and said, because we are not like them. What is he trying to tell me? He's trying to instruct even my children before they are born that we do not do this. We do not carry vengeance. We do not have war with people. We are men of peace. We are pursuers of peace. We're not men of war. They mean we're not strong, but we're just men of peace. See, and then the instruction of the word comes through your spirit, but it is connected to your household. We are a praying family. Your children get it. What are you trying to do? You're trying to separate them from the world. Ali, you a so you don't do this. You Elubega, you can't do this. This is not who you are. Even if they do it, you tell them you are Elubega. Never forget this. This is not what you're supposed to do. This is what we do. You open scripture. So your children realize that part of obedience toward God is embedded even in the destiny of your households and the son name they carry. Somebody shout hallelujah. And the son name they carry. You can never understand the power of these things until the time when they leave you for something. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 20, if you read from the Amplified Version, it says, My son, keep your father's God-given commandment and forsake not the law of God your mother taught you. In my university, I got such an epiphany, an experience, a revelation of Proverbs 6.20. My son, keep your father's God-given commandment and forsake not the law of God your mother taught you. It was in university that I came to the full realization that God speaks through my parents. When you're growing up, you think it, you know it, but I'd never understood it until I read Proverbs 6.20, that God speaks through your parents. And my father is wicked. Even through the most wicked, divine instruction can come. You can tell when the devil is speaking on them, and you can tell when God is speaking, if you're wise, you're spiritual. Are you following what I'm saying? From that day on, 
Yes, I was a submissive child, but I even became more submissive. That even to my age, I still hear God through my father and mother. I still do. I still do. Yet I'm their pastor. <laughs> Yet I'm their what? I'm their pastor. But I still hear God through them. And I can tell you, these days, it's easier to hear my father than before, many years before. Even when what he's speaking there makes sense and I don't agree, my ear usually is there when he's speaking. Sometimes I don't agree with everything he says, but at least he knows I'll listen. Why? Because I don't want to miss God speaking through my father or mother. And it extends to your spiritual authorities too. Somebody's your spiritual mother or father. It's amazing how God will speak through them. It's so amazing. It's so amazing. I know what it means. It's so amazing. You recognize them over your life. It's amazing, the few instructions. And you know, for example, like me, I do things in a very casual way. I prophesy casually. I instruct casually. Even when a command comes from God, I can suggest it and give it to the person to weigh it and take it or not. That's my way. For example, if you have noticed, when I'm dealing with healing in this ministry, You've noticed I'm somebody who handles it so casually, yet in that casual way, I am deeply functioning. I'm the kind who tell you, you know, if you're sick in your body, receive your healing. Why? Because years ago, the Lord appeared to me and told me the method of healing. Mine, the one that with which he will reveal himself. And he has constantly reminded me in visions and dreams, even in instructions as early as last night, in how I must operate in the anointing operating on my life. Diverse gifts, same anointing. Differences of operation, differences of manifestation, but same spirit. Now, you can go to a church and find a man who is Rakoba, Zokoto, Ira, and then that's when the people get healed. But you may also find someone who in their most casual way functions under a very deep grace. That's how some of us are. In first service, the rain came, and I sent it away through a nursery rhyme. It was started to collect. I told it, rain, rain, go away. Come back another day. Little children want to pray. And then after that, I told the people, it has had me. And immediately, it lifted and stopped. You see? Now, if you're not very keen, you might think, ah, no, he was jokingly speaking, you know And that's a rhyme. No, because you don't know me. <laughs> because you don't know me. So some of you, your parents are going to be different. You might have this parent who is over eh, zealous and he will insist with, you know, if you don't do this. And then you might also have this casual one who will laugh and say, hmm, ah, that girl is going to be a danger to you. And somebody say, ah, but you know, mom spoke it jokingly. No, even when they're not joking, even when they're speaking like they're joking. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some parents are very simple. They speak, no, don't. And then you think, yeah, no, mom. If it was serious, surely mommy would have taken me aside, spoken in tongues a little bit, and then said, thus saith the Lord. Uh -uh. You must know when God is speaking because God can speak through the least expected ways. That's just who he is. That's just who he is. That's just who he is. One time, I went into a restaurant and I met this lady, childhood friend, and I said, hi, Bridget. I said, hi. And I told her, how is Musumba? She said, Musumba? She was single then. And she said, no, I don't know, I know which Musumba you're talking about. I said, you're Musumba. And she said, Okay, but it was, it was just a little joke. And then we laughed it. It was like a joke, but I was prophesying. A few months later, the guy who proposed to her was called Musumba. <laughs> Spiritual men are dangerous, even in the joke. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. So, you learn to follow the voice of your parents. This is what he's telling you, my son, keep your father's God-given commandment and forsake not the law of God your mother taught you. Verses 21, bind them continually upon your heart and tie them about your neck. All right? Now, that's why I said it's not wrong to 
have necklaces with scripture. Yeah, you remember earlier in Deuteronomy, they wrote them on doorposts. But some of you, your house has nothing. It only has pictures of kids playing. Have some sort of scripture somewhere in your house. You even have one picture of your beloved dog. <laughs> it makes a lot of impression just to get a portion of scripture and design it and put it just next to the bedside of your daughter so they can read it every morning. You don't know what you're planting. Have something on your gate or your door or something, even if it's one or two, but have some sort of scripture written somewhere that makes most sense to you. Favorite scriptures. It's godly, he said. It's godly. So when they go, your children, when they go to high school, when they go to university, when they go into marriage, when they go uh, for prom, so I heard even in Uganda, they are bringing poems. You don't take your children into poems. For what? Those things, leave them for the white people. Don't take your kids to proms. Those are cultures that are imported. Don't import such things, but proms. Now your kid goes to which prom? Which prom? To do what? Come on. When your children go into businesses, when they go into careers, when they leave nations one day to do master's degree somewhere, in Europe or Asia, the Bible says, the words of your parents' God, are you reading that? The words of your parents' God shall lead you. If a parent has not understood this, I feel sorry for you. Because nobody's going to lead your child where you're not. The Bible says, the words of your parents' God shall lead you. And when you sleep, they shall keep you. These words, even where your child and how they sleep, where they sleep and how they sleep is lean or leaning on the instruction you gave them when they were children. As of whether a child will sleep in a bar, a club, or home, it's dependent on what you're doing in their lives right now. Hey, when you go to sleep, these words will keep you. When you wake up, they shall talk with you. This is divine instruction coming fresh into the heart of your college child or your high school daughter when you are not. And she will make a decision when her friends choose to take weed and she will say, my mother told me the word, I'm not going to do it. So pity the parent whose child will not have anything planted in their heart when the enemy comes to destroy her destiny, his destiny. You see what I'm saying? Even with God in the using, he works mostly with people with that kind of foundation because they are more instructable in every sphere of life than people who were not instructed in the way of the Lord in their childhood days. That's what Paul says in 2 Timothy, the third chapter, the 14th verse. He tells Timothy, Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Paul here is talking about two kinds of people. Timothy's parents and Paul as his spiritual father. This only does not involve Paul only. It also involves the parents. For he tells him in the next verse, and that from a child, thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. Since you were a baby, words were being pumped into you. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Those Holy Scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. Salvation here is not just receiving Jesus as your Lord, but to save you from every trouble that would befall you in future. When you were sick, you have Scriptures already in your spirit. When you are weak, you are already sharpened enough. You are wet on all ages to know how to deal. When you are troubled, you know what to do. When you are confused, perplexed, you know what to do. When your world is falling apart, the words were given to you when you were younger. The Bible says they make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. That is why Paul says, I remember the faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois, that faith which is in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded it's also in you, Timothy. You are a third generation of people that have received divine oracle and has been 
passed on deliberately family into family. And your third generation of people that has revelation, you're planted somewhere. Seeds, his words are inside you, Timothy. And when Paul is looking for a man to use to continue the gospel, he has to choose that one. But if you go back in Paul's story too, his father, while he was a teenager, took him to Jerusalem under the hand of Gamaliel to align this boy in the way that he should go. You see? He was in Diaspora, in Tarsus, Cilicia. And then his father gets him from Tarsus, Cilicia, takes him to Jerusalem, puts him under a teacher called Gamaliel because he must instruct his way. And from that teenage age, Paul understood the word. And he says that I understood Judaism more than all of my peers. That means he excelled in the way of the Lord. He profited in the Jewish religion above many of his equals in his own nation. And he was exceedingly zealous of the traditions of his fathers. That means this was a man whose father, a Pharisee, deliberately took him under the teaching of the way of God. Why do you think, even in the lost cause of the Jewish religion, Judaism, God still needs the pattern of such a man to lay the foundation of the New Testament? Because God honors people who were raised in the way of the Lord Ali. It is easier to work with such men because there are certain principles that are embedded in them. They might have been raised the wrong way because of the revelations perhaps that were indifferent with them, but still certain principles hold in commitment, in piety, in trustworthiness, in understanding, in the zeal, in the giving themselves into these things, in the way of meditation. Even if they were not born in the right religion, but they were born with some religion, they are easier to use than folk who had no opportunity to meet this. Paul lays the foundation of the New Testament. Paul looks for a boy who is instructed that way and he says, this is the one who can carry this. You need some kid who carries some ancient oil because it is easier. It is easier. I tell people my mom was a nursery teacher in a school that was Christian, nursery school, all saints. Back in the days, there was a nursery school there. And my mom taught there for many years. And we were raised in the way of the Lord Ali. You see what I'm saying? We were raised in the way of the Lord Ali. So there are certain instructions that come when I'm an adult. But I remember I got them on my mother's laps in songs she used to sing into my ears. Be careful, lift your mouth, what you speak. Those little things. And then they quote scriptures for you and tell you stories of Joseph and this and that. And these things come in the way to instruct you. You don't know how, but God has started with you at a very early age because they had the time to instruct, especially mothers. Fathers are 100%, but especially mothers. Especially mothers. Especially mothers. I'm not saying men shouldn't do their responsibility, but even when you read scripture, God accords it especially to mothers. Why do you think when he's going to raise John, he comes to the mother, not Zachariah? Why does he appear to Mary before Joseph? Why does he appear to Rebecca first? You see what I'm saying? Because there's something about a woman understanding the destiny of their child. You never underestimate that. I always tell people, if a man and woman fought for a child, usually, 90% of the time, women win. My wife can do something to my daughter. And I'm thinking now, this is the time for me to be good cup, baby, come. And then she's like, ah. then she again goes to her mother and I'm like, now what have I done? I'm the good one. I'm the one trying to show you love. When mama is what? Has pinched you. Now me, what have I done? And the girl still goes back to her mother. This is just a lot of power. That's a lot of power. That's a lot of power. That's a lot of power. And a woman can use it to destroy or revive. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. 
God wants you to get to a point where you never worry where your child goes when they go. When they go. You never worry. I'll tell you, in East High, where I went, the guy above me used to take weed. The guy next to me used to take weed. The guy in the next decker used to take weed. The guy here used to take weed. Four deckers used to take weed. They all used to club. Sometimes I found blunts. Two or three times I found blunts in my own bed. Or sometimes I would smoke them and even throw them in our own suitcases. But I never put my lips on any. By the grace of God. But I also want to accord this to the fact that in the little they knew, they took us to church. They took us to church. There are words they used to speak into our hearts. And these words stick somehow. They somehow stick. They might not stick in all the children, but they'll stick in some. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some of your parents have raised your children. What they won't hear you, they will hear me about. If you go back and tell them, uh-huh, I was telling you, as in the Apostle Grace repeated it. I got you, I got you, I got you. Praise the Lord. But thank God you bring them to church. Thank God you've showed them the way. They might play around, but they are here. That's important. They might not even be listening to anything, but the fact that you came with them to church, that is something. Praise the Lord. Now, there are parents who are saying, ha, of course, mine is late. <laughs> My 13-year-old can't listen. My 14-year-old can't listen. My boy is 30 and he's a drunkard. Begin from now. Begin from now. How? Send them a devotion every morning. Call them to pray even when they don't want to. They might even not even talk to you for two years. But even if your child is not talking to you for two years, send them a word every morning. Because let me tell you, there are people here. You used to hear about Fanero, then they told you every bad thing about it. But there was somebody sending a devotion every morning. Then one day you say, do I read it? Then I, that was the day. Heaven arrested you against that devotional and it spoke to you. Look, if you're that kind of person, raise both hands up. Exactly. So, you see, somebody kept sending you a devotional every morning. Now you understand as a father why I should feed you every day. I need to make sure you have a devotion. I have children who don't read them. But at least they're coming to your phones every morning. They're able to make you wise unto salvation. As my spiritual children, you see what I'm saying? Even if you're 70, you're still my spiritual child. Do you understand? <laughs> but somebody got a devotion, it kept coming, kept coming, and then one day he said, let me open it. Now you're here, submitted, serving, going to street preach. You're marrying in church. You're raising children. Because somebody kept sending this thing. Keep giving them the word. They might ignore it, but keep giving it. Don't get tired. That's the repetition. That's the iteration I'm talking about. That's the consistency and commitment you have toward God and say, I might not be getting through this boy. But let me text this thing. Ah, mommy, stop sending. I'm tired. Yeah, it's okay. Don't worry, but me, I'll keep sending. I'm not giving up on you. One day they'll read it. Keep inviting them to church. One day they will come. But those things of ah, I gave up on that boy. You know, some of your parents even left your children and said, that one I left her for the world. Let the world beat her. What does that mean? Praise the Lord. You shouldn't bury your child. You shouldn't lose your child. No, not our children. Not our children. So my heart's prayer for us all who are parents, grandparents, aunties and uncles, the responsibility over some sort of lives or shall have some. We pray that every word that has been spoken tonight sink in our hearts, produce the fruit, lack of eternity and God help us raise better children than us in Jesus name Amen. and I'm praying for the parents also who are struggling with their kids right now may God cause something remarkable to enter your boy's heart this week this month your daughter's heart this week this month some of you who have brothers who are lost May God cause something to arrest your sibling, your uncle, that drunkard man, and arrest them for God because you have made this prayer tonight and you believe God. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray and believe. No sense.
So, if you have never given your life to Christ, and you say today I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior, repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you died for my sins and you were raised for my glory. Say today, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our week fellowships at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.